Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall. This is the 444, Wednesday, September 15th. Today on the show, we've got your golden nuggets about Nashville SC. We ask a philosophical question about former Tennessee volunteer head football coaches, but we begin with lazy media takes about the Tennessee Titans' performance in week one. The 440, it's brought to you by the Kingston Group. The Kingston Group is the only name you need to know if you're thinking about doing major work on your home. They'll give you all the information. They have a trusted process. They've been doing it for over a decade in Nashville. They're award-winning, they're locally owned, and they know how to set you up for success when it comes to making decisions about your home. Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website. So before we turn the page for the Tennessee Titans and look ahead to Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks in week two, I would like to address an issue that comes up in the media. You guys know I like to do this. I like to look at the media and say, man, that doesn't feel right. And I think I tried to do this on Monday's episode when I addressed what I thought went wrong for the Tennessee Titans. And I think we tried to address this with Jonathan Hutton on Tuesday's edition with what could be fixed. And my issue that I see in Nashville media, and I think it's just a nature of media in general, so I don't have any one particular person who I think is doing this worse or or better than anybody else, is this idea to that we have to assign blame. In the moment, in the seconds after a loss, after a bad performance, we have to assign blame. And the answer is very clearly that all of them are to be blamed. All of the players, all of the coaches, the organization, give credit to the other team. It's hard to take a game with 120, 150 plays and say that one person or one play is ever to be blamed. I, I don't like blaming officials. I don't like blaming kickers. I, I think if you want to say that Mike Vrabel is the head coach of the team and everything eventually ends with him, that's fine. I have no problem with that. It's Mike Vrabel's fault when they win and Mike Vrabel's fault when they lose. And I'm okay with that. Does the quarterback have a lot greater responsibility? Of course he does. But how much time does he have to throw? How good was his running game? How well did his defense play? It is an entire team sport. It is the most team of all team sports. Basketball, you can put it on one person's shoulders. Football, you simply cannot. It's not just the offensive coordinator's fault. It's not just the quarterback's fault. It's not just the left tackle's fault. We need lots of data before you can start to assign blame. I think Todd Downing's play calling on first down, as Jonathan Hutton pointed out yesterday on the show, was a major issue. In one game, the offensive line, the depth there, it was a major issue. In one game, things are different from week to week in the NFL, and assigning blame feels like lazy media to me. We can say things went wrong. This needs to be fixed. That could be better. But who is to be blamed? Is, is such an old, lazy media trope. They are all to be blamed. They are all guilty because they are all on a team together. And Mike Vrabel's the head coach, so if you want to blame a singular person, blame Mike Vrabel. But just know that it's not all his fault. It's everyone's fault. And it's everyone's fault to fix it and get better the next week. I rattled off a list on Monday. The depth along the Titans' offensive line, the rust with the offense, the new coaching staff, the new coordinator the defense's inability to pressure the quarterback, the coverage of those players. We, we can go on and on and on. And sometimes Kylo Murray just made a spectacular throw and a really talented wide receiver made a spectacular play. It, it, at some point, it, there, it serves no purpose to point fingers. And the better exercise is to try to think through solutions to problems. 
I don't know if that means going out and acquiring a depth piece along the offensive line. And I don't know yet if Todd Downing is the reason that offense struggled. We need a lot more time and data to learn about all of these things before we panic and jump off the ship. So I spent a lot of time recently thinking about one particular coaching dynamic at the University of Tennessee, and that is, what if USC, which is now open, a job that is now open, what if USC had not come open during 2010 and had Lane Kiffin stayed there for the duration, a 10, 11-year stint, what would Tennessee football look like? And so on the Fringe Element podcast this week, I asked Stephen Godfrey what he believes would have taken place had Lane Kiffin stayed there, never left for USC, and had been at Tennessee over the last decade. What would Lane Kiffin and what would this program look like? So here's my question. Mm -hmm. If USC Mm -hmm. doesn't come open in January of 2010... And Lane Kiffin has been there for 11 seasons. Oh, How good God. is this program? Oh, my gosh. And he, would he have matured in those first couple of years? No, I, I, I'm going to I want to break your premise here for a couple of reasons, only because last night I was doing some reporting and some work on USC specifically. The Lane Kiffin that we're seeing now and, and the Lane Kiffin who has gone really under underwent an education in offensive football. Remember. The Saban Finishing School allows you basically to get the graduate degree that you always wanted in whatever area of the sport that you're most focused on. So I will say this. They would have been wildly more talented from maybe 10 to 13. I also say this. When the statute of limitations runs out, somebody should write a book about what was happening in Knoxville for the year and change that Lane was there. (laughs) It was not a sustainable model. This was a less... This was a less rule following Ed Orgeron on this staff. Okay. I'm going to speak in very generic terms right now. Um, I don't think that he would, he would be there in any circumstance, regardless of if UFC USC were to open. I I think, I think that's right. I don't think he could have matured fast enough without the failure at USC and the, the rehab at, at Saban's clinic. I don't think that, I don't think he would have been able to be the coach he is today without those experiences. So I, I just, it's an interesting question because I do think it yeah. would be a better program over that yes. years. Yes. And they would have won a lot more games and they wouldn't yes. be sort of where they are today, which is they have a very, very thin roster and will not be favored in many games moving forward. They, okay. they have a thin roster. Let me say this. I think they're as good as they were in the, un, in the shakier part of the Butch Jones run. And I think this team under Hypo right now, despite its thinness would not lose to a Georgia state. No, I, I, think, I agree. So I, agree. I think he is better than Pruitt. No, they, well, Jesus Christ. I hope so. <laughs> well, hey, man, all I heard the for you. worst insult I've ever heard. Dude, don't, don't get me started <laughs> on how fast that house of cards went down and how quickly it went up on how genius Jeremy freaking Pruitt was. Because well, that media cycle in Knoxville, they will huff paint as soon as they're told to by that administration. Well, you, don't get me started on East Tennessee, dude. No, I know. Listen, I'm an alum and you didn't. My, my wife asked me the week after, the two weeks after Shiano Sunday, my, my wife looked at me and, and asked me, like, are you okay? Because <laughs> because I was one of the few people that... What'd you that, say? Because I was one of the few I, that, I, that I was damaged, that I was exhausted <laughs> mentally and psychologically and spiritually. That was just a snippet of our conversation on Fringe Element this week. Aaron Dugan, Stephen Godfrey, and myself out every single Wednesday covering all things SEC football. If you'd like to hear about an hour and 15 minutes more of that kind of conversation, I do recommend checking out the podcast. Steven and Aaron are wonderful. David Waters was our guest this weekend from Gator Breakdown. He talked about Bama and Florida. Go check out the show. It is worth your time. 
rate, review, subscribe. Fringe Element out every single Wednesday. It's time for your golden nuggets on the show, of course, courtesy of the boys over at Club and Country, the podcast of record covering Nashville SC, Club and Country, out every single Tuesday. Alistair Johnston, by the way, on the show this week, so make sure you go check out that. Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan do a fantastic job every single week on that product. And of course, we also try to make you a little bit smarter, a little bit better soccer fans in this market with a little nugget from those two guys from that show, and this week... The guys are focused on Nashville SC's road form and how it has evolved over the course of the season. And now, Tim, all of a sudden, Nashville's buzzing on the road. 11 points from nine games. That 1.22 points per game is the seventh best away mark in the league. A lot of people who are kind of up in arms about how poorly Nashville had played on the road might have been looking at a low sample size and, and reading too much into it. Um, the sample size meant that there wasn't a ton of meaning to the games that they did have, and there was a little bit of simple bad luck in terms of timing. Um, typically strong home clubs in, in Real Salt Lake and New York Red Bulls uh, drew and beat Nashville respectively at home before they, their home form has kind of fallen apart for both of those teams. And and bad luck within the course of games. I'm playing against Miami, a, a pretty even game, and, and missing a winner and, and giving one up on the other end. Those are the sorts of things that yes they happen to every club but when you've played as few road games as Nashville had until very recently kind of it's kind of amplified each time and and if you get a little bit of bad luck in multiple games it looks a lot worse than it is and I think we're starting to see that this is the sort of team that Nashville SC is going to be. That was Tim Sullivan and Wes Bowling of the Club and Country podcast of course out every single Tuesday covering Nashville SC. Rate, review, and subscribe everywhere podcasts are found, club and country. And of course, Nashville SC has been better on the road as the sample size has gotten better because they're playing excellent soccer right now. And this team is charging through the back half of this schedule. Still a lot of road matches left to go. They will play at Toronto on Saturday evening. So make sure you're tuned into that because this team is one of the best five teams in MLS right now. Special thanks to Wes and Tim, of course. Go check out their show, Club and Country, out every single Tuesday. You want to know who brings you this podcast every single day for free so that you can listen to it in your earbuds? The Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are a trusted, award-winning, locally-owned custom home and remodeling firm that you should talk to at any point if you're even just thinking about doing some work on your home. Now is the time to talk to them, get all the information, make a great decision about your home, make a little money about your home, and be happy in your home. BuildKG.com is the website. Remember the name, The Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. My name is Braden Gall, at Braden Gall on Twitter, and please just share the show. It means the world to me that you do. It means the world to me that you listen, and, and we really appreciate it. So share the product. Tell somebody about it. We are eternally grateful. Again, thank you for listening. This has been the 444 Wednesday, September 15th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.